be to God. We are grateful that we can come before the Lord our God once again. It is a privilege for us to be able to listen to uh, the voice coming from the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the Lord uh, told us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's given to his church uh, the, the task and the power to bring forth the kingdom of heaven down here on the earth. Okay? And uh, one of the ways by which we do that, well, the major way basically we do that, is through faith and obedience. And every day, our faith is being challenged by different kinds of thoughts. Every day there are so many different kinds of voices shouting to us, this is the way, this is the way, this is the proper thing to do. And uh, when we begin to listen to all of those voices, sometimes we can get confused. Or if we give attention to something that sounds nice, okay, but it's not in line with Holy Scriptures, it makes us tend to doubt what God is saying, tend to doubt the nature of God, okay, and we live defeated lives. But praise be to God, God has given us His Holy Word. And what we need to do is really pay attention to what He's saying. Because in the days of darkness, it is going to be very important that we hold on to the word of light. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? Because the Lord told us, there will be a time of darkness that will be coming upon the earth. Everyone will be tested, everyone will go through a trial, something like that. And he says, he who endures to the end will be saved. Okay? And the one who endures is not the one who has the strongest willpower. The one who endures is not the one who is born strong. The one who endures is the one who holds on to the word of life. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so this is a privilege that God has given us. He didn't say, I want you to fulfill my purposes and my will, but it's going to be touch and go. In other words, you, it's by trial and error that you find out what is the right way and what is the wrong way. No, God didn't leave us to trial and error. God gave us His Holy Word that we might know, okay, what is right and what is wrong. And just so that uh, uh, we have additional help, God gave us His Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Truth, and Jesus Christ says, he will guide you into all truth. Amen? So praise be to God. Let's go to the Word of God this day. Again, there's so many things that we can take from the different readings. But I was listening to what the uh, book of Genesis says, as it was being read by Father Father Noah. I mean, I've read that so many times also. It never fails to excite you. Excite me at least. Because here we find a man talking to God and seeking to change an outcome simply because he was willing to intercede before the Lord our God. And think about this, he was not living in the new covenant. He was living in the old covenant. Amen? And yet, despite the fact that he was living in the old covenant, we find a powerful God who was consulting with an ordinary man, and he was willing to change. He was willing to alter the outcome of an event. 
simply because he considered one of this ordinary man a friend. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we need to understand we are living in a new covenant. The Bible very clearly says the covenant or the agreement, the legal document that we are involved in, it is a better covenant that is based on better promises. In the old covenant, sins could only be covered. And that covering has an expiration date. That covering will expire after one year. And so it needs to be covered again by the blood of an animal. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's there, it's just covered. But in the new covenant, the blood of Jesus totally erases sin. You understand what I'm saying? When it covers sins, it destroys it. It deletes it. It erases it. Sin, that sin no longer exists except perhaps in the mind of the one who committed it. That when you come before the Lord our God and you say, Lord, remember what I told you last time? Don't be surprised if God says, no, I don't remember it. It's your God. How can you forget? Well, the Word of God says, your sins and transgressions, I will remember no more. So that to me is something that I can't really explain. That this God who is omniscient or all-knowing can somehow forget. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we can think of other people who can't forget, right? But when we talk about the word forget, we can't see to apply that to God. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, God is the one who says he will never forget us. God is not a forgetful person, but he has made a choice that because of the blood sacrifice of Jesus, who died for our sins, when we come to him and we confess it, our sins are covered and erased by the blood of Christ. And if it's no longer there, God somehow takes it away from his remembrance. How does that happen? Do you understand what I'm saying? And I don't have to explain it. I don't have to have an explanation before. All I have to know is that he said it, and I'm going to believe what God said. It is a better covenant that is based on better promises. And so, as we've uh, listened to those uh, readings, I believe that this is what God is wanting for us to take away this, this morning. The lesson is this. Let us confidently persist in prayer to our Heavenly Father, who is not reluctant to help us. Let us confidently persist in prayer to our Heavenly Father, who is not reluctant to help us. One more time. Let us confidently persist in prayer to our Heavenly Father, who is not reluctant to help us. Okay? Prayer is a wonderful privilege, it's also a wonderful responsibility. It's one of the most powerful things that God has given to us. Okay? 
And somehow, sometimes, there are people who are afraid to pray or uh, they're not really motivated to pray that, that much. Okay? And uh, the reason might be different. The reason might be different. Uh, you know, before I've heard it said, you know, who are you? The God will listen to you. You know, maybe he would listen to the presidents of the world. Maybe he would listen to the kings of the world. Maybe he would listen to the religious leaders of the world, people who shape policy. Okay? Maybe God would listen to them. Who are you? Or don't you think that God is busy running the entire universe? He doesn't have time for your trivial problems. Okay? I I've heard that before. But then, you know, when we open the Holy Scriptures, we found out that God is not like that. Yes, He's busy running everything. Yes, He's busy listening to everyone who prays to Him. But the, the, the wonderful truth is, even though there are many people who are beseeching Him, even right this moment, when God pays attention to you, He gives you His undivided attention. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, God gives us, God gives us His undivided, I mean, He listens to us as if we're the only ones praying. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, Jesus Christ taught us, when you pray, you go into your inner room. Your Father is waiting for you. Now, we know there are many people who are praying to the Father, right? And yet, he has the ability to listen to you as if you're the only one praying. I mean, in that situation, sometimes, he's, he's the one who's paying more attention to us rather than we paying attention to him. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we, he gives us his undivided attention. We somehow fail to give it that. It's an example. How many will pray? Oh God, I praise you. I, thank you. I know that this day is going to be uh, uh, wonderful because I'm trusting in your word. And Father, you know what? Excuse me, Father. I'll send this. I'll answer this. And your Father is waiting for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? I mean, his eyes are on you, and you're making it way because you could not give it your undivided attention. You are giving others the right to interrupt you while your father is talking to you. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I remember as a kid when I'm talking to uh, you know, the, the adults are talking, and I go to my dad and I said, Dad, you know what? And my dad would tell me, son, don't interrupt me because I'm listening to this person. That's, that's good manners, right? And now, here we are talking to our father. We give others the right to interrupt us when God is talking to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? Okay? So we need to understand something here, church. If there is going to be a 
breakdown of communication, it's not going to be live. Amen? That's the reason why we want to go to the Word of God and find out the principles of prayer. Because prayer is a very, very powerful thing. It can change events and things. Amen? And when we come to pray, you don't come with the attitude the way someone would go to a casino. You know, I might as well roll the dice so many times because somehow, one way or the other, one of the things is going to win. No, prayer is not gambling. I'm not really sure whether prayer works, but I might as well do it, just in case. No, that's not how prayer works. The reason prayer works is because we have a God who hears our prayers. We have a God who not only hears, but he has promised to answer our prayers. Amen? So it's not just a religious exercise to make us feel good. Prayer is actually a resource that can change things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? Okay. So we, when it comes to prayer, there's more reason to be confident and to continually go and not to quit. Why? Because when we pray, we are not approaching a God who doesn't want to keep his word to us. We're not approaching a God who is reluctant to help us. We're not approaching a God who is annoyed that we are interrupting his time. We're not approaching a God who is irritated because you dare bring up his promises to him and force him to do something. You understand what I'm saying? You are coming to a God who has revealed himself to us as a father, okay, who extremely loves us and who's thinking about us all the time. And David said, what is mine? That your mind is filled with him, okay? What is that? That you are mindful of him. Are the stars greater? Are all of these things wonderful? And yet we're always thinking about us. We're coming to the presence of someone who would do everything, even send his own beloved son to take our place. Just so this barrier between us could be torn down that he that there is no longer anything separating us from him. And when we come to him, we say, Almighty God, he tells us, call me Abba. Call me Father. Call me Dad. I am your God, yes, I'm your God. Call me Father. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, if our president just said, don't call me Exodus, I got up and say, call me Father. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? So we need to understand that, church. When you are approaching the Father in prayer, he's, you are approaching someone who's waiting for you. You are approaching someone who's yearning for you. Okay? 
I mean, this morning, I woke up before the alarm. So Gary's still sleeping. Then, then the alarm went up, closed it, still went to sleep a little bit. Something like about four. What did the Lord say? Wake up, I want a fellowship with you. Okay, yes, Lord, sorry. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he doesn't just do that to me. I don't know when people say that. Just, just so that he can spend time with us. You understand what I'm saying? He's not irritated with you. He's not annoyed with you. You are not a disturbance to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? When he sees you approaching him, you fill him with such thrill that you make him want to sing over you. And that is Zechariah says, he sings over us. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is a God, the God to whom we are approaching when we pray. And when we begin to understand, we are very welcome. He's waiting for us. He's longing for us. He's yearning for us. And when we come there, he doesn't ask us, what do you want? But rather, he asks us, what took you so long? Okay? That's the question you will ask us. What took you so long? When we understand that this is the one we're praying to, uh, how can we have not how can we not be confident and persistent in this prayer? Anything you want, anything you need, just come to me. You understand what I'm saying? Hello. Let's go to the scriptures today. I'm going ahead myself. Get excited to think about this. Alright, and the uh, well, first one I'd like to share with you is based on verse 5 to 8. Simple. Let's be bold and confident in prayer. Let's be bold and confident in prayer. We'll come back to that. The second thought I'd like to share with you is based on verse 9 to verse 13. Our Heavenly Father is so much more willing to hear us. Our Heavenly Father is so much more willing to hear us. Okay. Let's look at uh, verse 5, verse 8. Let's go back to the first thought. Let's be both in confident and And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, let me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, No, he will not rise and give to him, because he is his friend. Yet, because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Okay. Uh, today, it's not a problem for us. Some people are still making data. Some people are still making posts on Facebook. Past data. Okay? But during those times, there are no electricity. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so things get really, really dark. 
when the sun begins to set. So when they had their dinner, they probably had a bit of a reading, a bit of a chat, but then they go immediately to bed because things are up. It also begins to, uh, it, it saves whatever wax they have for candles and things like that. Okay? They have no television, they have no smartphones, they have no radios and things like that. And so after dinner, basically, People begin to settle down and they go to bed early, probably eight o'clock. Alright? And uh, it's probably a, a, a house that is uh, one story, there's one room, okay? And the parents and the kids stay in that room, and they're there. And, and normally during that time, because there's no air conditioned buses, okay? No air conditioned taxis. When people walk, they want to avoid the heat of day. So they tend to walk and travel early in the morning. Okay? And when they have not yet arrived at their destination, they rest somewhere. If it's a really long journey and it's really important, then maybe they can break the heat. But if not, they resume their travel sometime in the afternoon when the sun is not so hot. And that's one of the reasons why this visitor came near midnight. Okay? Now, in that particular time, hospitality was a big deal. And so I'm saying, I mean, if a visitor comes to your house and he knocks and it's midnight, yes, sorry, I can't do this. Because it would be shameful for that person to turn away that 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 visitor. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? I mean he couldn't call ahead or no phones. He couldn't text. He couldn't telegraph. There were no phones. So he would just arrive there. And the visitor is aware that this is part of the culture. He's aware he, we're not going to turn away. Because I know the culture, I know these people. They will take us in. Hospitality is a big thing. So they know. He expects the door to be, to be open. He expects to be accommodated. And so they come in. Okay? And so uh, the, the guy doesn't simply say, All right, guys, it's late at night. You should have been here early. I've got no food here. The stores are not open. Uh, they only bake bread in the morning. So if you're hungry, you have to get out. Tough. Just be patient, just leave it off. Tomorrow morning we'll feed you. No. Part of hospitality is making them feel at home, even though it's not their home. Right? So even though you're asleep, you wait. You, you, you consider it a privilege to be able to help your visitors even during that time of the night. And then you find that you've got nothing to feed them, you've got no bread. Well, you can't go to the store, they don't get bread. The nearest place that you can go is your neighbor. It's kind of cool. They have some extra bread like And so you leave your house and you knock on the neighbor's door. Okay? Why aren't you embarrassed knocking and bothering your neighbor? Because if you can't feed your kids, it will not just be a shame on your name, 
it will be a shame on the entire village. Because that guest will somehow come and say, I went to that town, they didn't even accommodate. That is a big deal during that particular time. So he wakes up his neighbor, this neighbor's kind of kind. Don't you know my kids are asleep? Can't really help you. Come on, don't bother me. Okay? And the guy simply says, I really didn't bother him, but I have to guess. And they just arrive. I found out you don't have bread. I'm just kind of hoping you have some. Okay? See, if he doesn't help him, then this guy will go to another angle. Okay? And what he does there, that angle will say, why don't you go pay for a season nearest month? Well, I did, but he didn't want to help me. Oh, that's going to be a big deal also. In that village, you will be known as the person who refused to extend hospitality, and you know, you'll be looked down on because they don't think you're giving their town and their village a bad name by not helping somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? So, basically, he did what he did to keep the honor of his day and the honor of his village. You understand what I'm saying? See, the word persistence here also means shamelessness. Okay? Shamelessness. It's not being shameless in the sense that uh, you don't honor courtesy, you don't spit on being polite. Okay? That's not the kind of thing, you know, in Tagalog, we call it Right? That's, it's not being like that. But it's having a sense of confidence because of the principles that you're living by. And, and uh, also, when it comes to shamelessness, I mean, the neighbor is not just thinking about his name, but he's thinking about the reputation of the entire village. God also has something like that. For example, let me read from uh, Ezekiel 36, verse 20 to 23. When they came to the nations wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, These are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I have concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. In other words, God is a God who greatly cares about the honor of his name. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have the song that tells us, ascribe to the Lord. The glory that is due on your hand. And so we find here also uh, something that is worth it. But one of the reasons why we come to the Lord our God and God will honor, because God has given us His holy name. Did Jesus Christ say to His disciples, The day will come when you will no longer come to me because you need something from the Father? Okay? The apostle always come to the Lord and says, Lord, we need to do this. Uh, I know that you have a good connection with the Father, so I, I know, Lord, if you can just pray and ask God 
He will give you whatever you ask. So we go with this our request, make our request known the Father. But Jesus Christ said, John 16, he said, the day will come when I will no longer go to the Father just because we need something. The day will come when you will be able to go to the Father directly. Is that what I'm saying? Because he loves you. He loves to talk to you. That he wants to hear you bring your conditions to him. Okay? That whatever you ask the Father in my name, I'm giving you my name. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, think about it. When, when Moses uh, was praying to God, because God said, Look, these people are stiff necked people. They've seen my ways, they've seen my miracles, and yet they persist in their idolatry. Moses, I'm going to destroy these people. Moses was interceding before the Lord our God. God says, Moses, let go of me. You know, I said, let go of me. Do you know that when you come to God, you're holding on to Him? You understand what I'm saying? And God said to Moses, let go. I'm going to, I'm going to destroy this people, and I will raise up another people from you, Moses. And Moses said, Lord, if you do that, what would your enemies say? They would say that you were not able to deliver them to the promised land. And so you just destroyed them. Will that not, will that not dishonor your name, Lord? Besides, Lord, you made a promise to Abraham, to Isaac, who stood on the verge of destruction because of judgment, because they deserved it. But there was one man who prayed for that nation, an entire nation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? Now Abraham was praying for Sodom and Gomorrah. Do they deserve to be served? Yes, they do. Because of what they were doing. Problem was, Abraham was concerned about God, his nephew. He was standing there. So he made a petition to God. Well, what about there are 50 people out of righteousness? You're the judge of all the earth. I don't think you destroy everything if there's at least 50 there. And the Lord says, well, if I find 50, I'll leave them alone. Okay, go ahead. What is there for? Okay, well, uh, Abraham, I find 40. I'll spare them. Let me get 30. What is the 20? I'll spare them for the, for the sake of the 20 guy. Okay? What is their day like these people did? The Lord said, you know, Abraham, simply because you asked, if I find ten righteous people there, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And suddenly it was, I could not find ten. Abraham stopped there. He should have gone through five. <laughs> but he didn't have it. Ten. There should at least be ten there. Right? With, with Lot and his wife and his, and, and, and his daughters and, and his grandsons. And, uh, it should be at least there. 
But the Lord could not fight, so I saw the water so I saw people who said, see, it worked. It still worked because God still got rescued. Okay? Not completely because the others refused to come with him. I mean, his entire family could have been saved that destruction if they only followed God while not being led by an angel. I mean, the angel who was going to bring destruction to Solomon and Gomorrah said to God, God, you've got to get out of there. Because we can't do anything while you're still here. The prayers of Abraham carried such weights in him. Okay? That the angel said, You're a nephew of Abraham. He's a friend of our God. We're here to destroy because there's no righteous here. But simply because he prayed for, for, for Abraham's sake, Lot, you gotta get out of here. Lot tried to bring everyone along. His sons in law were not getting him. Yeah. Just like some people today make fun of what God says, right? And they have very specific instructions. When you read, do not turn back when you hear explosions. It's a quiet night. Okay? It's one of those nights where things are going so normally. And here they are in the middle of the night. They have to leave. Okay? Quiet. Then they cross this hill and they hear this explosion. This lightning, this thunder. And Lot's wife forgot. Or maybe she didn't forget, but her curiosity was just too strong, and so she turned around. And when she saw what was happening, she turned and looked at her and saw. Couldn't have saved, but she didn't follow instructions. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello. I remember before. Uh, before we started our churches in Europe, okay, uh, Bishop Gamma was sent there uh, alone, and uh, it was inside a McDonald's store that he saw a devil Filipino and talked to him and witnessed to him, and that was the start of a Bible study that led to many churches all over. And so when they were beginning to multiply, they needed people who would help them. We had two ladies who were already working, uh, you know, they were employed. But we told them that, you know, we talked to the, the Spanish embassy and they would be going there to Europe to help, so maybe need to quit their jobs, you know, and so they did. And, you know, they quit their jobs, they were ready to go to Europe. And all of a sudden, somehow, some uh, the people in the embassy changed their minds and wouldn't give them the approval, started mocking them. And so they were faced with a, a, a dilemma. What's going to happen? Should we go back to our jobs or should we find another job? But what if it opens again? We have to quit again. Okay? So we decided to see the Lord concerning the matter. And uh, during that time, we had overnight intercessions. Uh, my wife and I would register for Tuesday and Thursday. So we would arrive at the church around 8 or 9 o'clock in the evening, and then we would pray all the way to 5 o'clock in the morning. Okay? So other people were thinking that thing 
uh, on the days. This went on for about a year. After one year, everyone in the Spanish embassy were replaced. Everyone. There were new people that were placed in the embassy. And these new people who were placed in the embassy were paid by the price. And they were fighting in the Do you understand what I'm saying? Prayer changes things. I, I know how people say prayer changes you. Yes, it does. But it also changes things. You understand what I'm saying? So God is telling us here that when we come to Him, it's with a, a boldness, a confidence, shamelessness. The Bible very clearly tells us that when we come to the throne of grace, that we are to come with confidence, like you belong, because you do. You understand what I'm saying? When you are entering the throne of grace, you're not entering it as a guest. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you enter the throne of grace and the angels see you, they say to Jeremiah, that's one of the sons and the daughters of the Lord. I mean, you belong. You have royalty flowing through you simply because God has given you sonship in Him. You understand what I'm saying? So when you come, you belong. When you pray, you are being heard. You're not praying as a slave. You're praying as a son. You're not praying as someone who is trapped here on earth. You are praying as someone who has been raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places. You understand what I'm saying? You share in the throne. There is authority there. Amen? You need to understand that. So the Father is saying that, you know, some people say, I wanted to ask God so many times, I'm reading this chamber, reading that. No, that's not what God said. You come to Him with persistency. You come to him with shamelessness or a bold confidence. Because the Father was the one who said, Anything you need, you come to me. Any request you want to make, you come to me. Any problem you're facing, you come to me. Any trial that you're facing, you come to me. And I don't care if you come to me 1,000 times and you need another one, come to me another 1,000 times. I'll go to you so you need to understand, if only you would stay with God, He would eventually always meet our needs and our requests. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? So that's what God's telling us. And you know what? We can look at the news of what's going on. About this Abusayab and the threat of China and the threat of war. Okay? And how that there is this uh, maneuvering between the United States and, and China, and people are making an analysis that uh, we're just being used in this because we're going to become a pawn in the game. And if we allow ourselves to be used, that we will sustain the most damage. We can pay attention to those things and be afraid all the time and talk about these things all the time, or we can go before the throne of grace. And change things in our framework. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you have the authority, you have the right. Now let's go to our second thought. Spend too much time. You learning something from this? Okay. 
Our Heavenly Father is so much more willing to hear us. Let me just read verse 9 30, and I'll be quick about this. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find not, and it will be open to you. Now these are very definite statements. God is saying, ask, and it will be given to you. He didn't say, ask, and maybe if your father is in a good mood, then maybe, just maybe he might give to you. But that's not how he said it. He said, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find not. And it will be open. He didn't say it might be open. It may be open. Okay? He says, ask, it will be answered. See, he will make sure you will find. Not, it will be open. Right? I mean, do you need more than that? Not really, because those are very definitive statements. But then, he repeats it again in a much more forceful manner. In verse 10, he says, For everyone who asks, receives. He who sees, finds. And to him who not, it will be open. I mean, he said it with more emphasis. Okay? And uh, this is a double assurance that God is willing to hear our prayers, willing to help us, willing to open doors for us if we will not trusting in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then he tells us, if a son asks you for bread, uh, if a son asks for bread for any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? See, when you ask the father, he's not going to pay dirty tricks on you. I, you know, I've heard someone say, I'm afraid to ask God to guide me, he might send me to inappropriate. No. Okay? No. And he, I'm, I'm not saying there's something wrong with inappropriate. But what I'm saying is, they're afraid because God might not like them, and so instead of giving them something uh, that's going to be good for them, God's going to give them something that's going to be bad for them. No, that's not where God. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you ask for bread, he won't give you a stone. If you ask for egg, and egg, it's not going to give you a serpent. Okay? That's not the kind of God we serve. He's not a God who gets annoyed and irritated because you insist, because he made a promise. Okay? I mean, I don't, you know, there are people who make promises and you say, well, okay, I'm here for this. I'm not going to do or yeah, I just don't want to. But you promise. Okay, 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 here. I mean, you make the promise because they made a promise. They get so irritated, they give it to you anyway because they're irritated. Our Father is not going to give you because you just annoyed him. Some people think that if we irritate God long enough, we will nag and bother him long enough, he will be forced to give it to us. Number one, the Father is not forced to give anything to us. The Bible very clearly says Jesus Christ himself said this, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's not what I'm saying. I, 
He's not allowed that. And if you play Father, you said this, he doesn't get angry, doesn't get irritated. He becomes happy. Oh, he believes my word. Hey, Gabriel, did you see that? He's praying my God. He believes my word. He knows I'll do what I told him. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Someone will say, well, if you play the promise of God, you are dying God's hand, you know, twisting his hand. Number one, you cannot twist the hand of God. Number two, he didn't give us his promises like a politician. A politician makes promises to get their votes, but the moment the votes are in, well, you know, maybe they might lose baby now. The God, the God whom we serve, who made himself known to us as Father, gave us promises that we might have something to stand on when we come to him. These are meant to give us an assurance, assurance that he meant exactly what he promised us. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? So he doesn't get irritated. You're not twisting his hand. And he expects you to use your, the promises he gave us when we come to him in prayer. It's what Moses did, it's what Abraham did, it's what David did, it's what the people in the old covenant did. Lord, remember what you said to Abraham. Remember what you said to them. He was reminded, was God forgetful of them? Okay, but he wanted to pray. That's the mature way instead of begging, oh God, please, 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 oh God, if you answer this one time, I'll never bother you again. Now, you see, that's the kind of approach we have when we think of God as a reluctant God. He's not. He's a father of the law. And according to the Holy Scriptures, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what we could ever ask for him. Have you ever seen God give you exactly what you need? God's never given me exactly what I needed. He's given me more than what I needed. He's a God of abundance. Amen? And last verse. Even being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God is saying, I am not like a reluctant neighbor. You go to that neighbor, he's bothered. Okay? I'm not like that. I'm not bothered. You come to me, I'm happy you came to me. I'm excited you came to me. I'm thrilled you're here. I like to hear what you have to say. And he's saying also here, if your own father will do this for you, I'm better than your earthly father. I am a heavenly father who's not bothered by your requests, who's not irritated by your needs. I'm not irritated to keep coming back again and again and again. Oh yeah, I wish there were some things you would talk to me about instead of just asking me your request. You know what? It's okay. Anything you need, you just ask me. Okay? And I'm happy to do it. I will like you coming here. And I will give you my undivided attention, even if when you come to me, you're distracted by so many things. You understand what I'm saying? And when we begin to understand this is the God to whom we are approaching, to whom we are presenting our needs, 
How can we not be confident? How can we not be persistent? How can we even think of quitting when God says He's not going to quit on us? Amen? I mean, don't give up on the most powerful things that God has given us. It's the one resource that I believe that will help spare our nation, especially with all the complications that's going on right now. Amen? I'm going to learn something today. Praise God.